0: Hey, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it.
1: Morning, Melissa, and all of our listeners. Um, I'm so excited because today we have our very first guest on the podcast, and you are in for a treat. Um, our guest is Lauren Meyer, and she's the VP of Industry Relations and Compliance at Kickbox. And Kickbox is a list verification company, but they recently just had a big announcement that they're also um, offering some really amazing deliverability tools. So. I can't wait for you all to hear this episode.
0: She's fantastic. Lauren is amazing. When I first started um, in deliverability, I watched her um, in a webinar that she had hosted and I learned so much. Um, She's very engaging. She has some great um, ideas about how to keep a healthy list. Um, She's been in deliverability for a while and has um, really just nails down kind of what we've been trying to bring to light on this podcast, so we're really excited to have her here. Yep, she's amazing. You're in for a treat, so sit back, get your coffee,
1: and here is our interview with Lauren Meyer from Kickbox. Okay, hey, you all are so lucky because today we have the amazingly talented and smart Lauren Meyer from Kickbox. And we're going to hop right in. How are you doing, Lauren? I'm doing great. Really excited to be with both of you today.
0: Yay. We're so excited to have you. And Melissa, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm just excited to, like I mentioned earlier, hear someone else's voice besides our own for a minute. (laughs) Yes, same. It's
1: going to be great. Um, I've listened to Lauren's voice. This sounds really creepy, but I've listened to Lauren a lot on different webinars. She's been on other podcasts and she's just been such a great voice in the industry. I learned so much every time she speaks. So I'm excited for all of you listening to learn a bit from her
2: too. Wow. Thanks, Alyssa. No pressure, huh? (laughs)
1: Yeah, here we go. Better be good. Just kidding. It's always good. Um, so first, let's start by just letting everyone know what you currently do and what does your day-to-day look like at Kickbox?
2: Sure. Okay. Um, so yeah, I joined Kickbox as the VP of Industry Relations and Compliance about, I guess, five months ago. Um, you may have heard, in addition to offering email verification, which is you know kind of what we've been doing for a few years, we just very recently released a whole suite of deliverability tools that are designed basically to help our customers become better email senders and I guess, understand this crazy world that we live in called deliverability, right? So (laughs) um, yeah, I I would say a lot of my role has recently been focused around product development, right? Working with our development team and preparing our new product suite for launch, uh, working with our marketing and sales teams on redesigning our website and creating our go-to-market strategy for the new products, uh, running demos first with our group of beta testers, and and now really just with anybody who's interested in in seeing what we have to offer. And then outside of uh, the product launch, Part of my role at Kickbox involves content creation and thought leadership. So speaking at conferences, I guess back when we had those, getting involved in industry webinars and virtual events, I've contributed to white papers and webinars that we've given at Kickbox. And and all of this really is aiming to help educate marketers on email best practices and improving deliverability using a more data-driven and thoughtful approach. I guess I've I've also been doing some guest blogging, appearing on podcasts, just like this one, and contributing to Kickbox's two different monthly blogs. So we've got one that's called um, No Bullshit Advice from Email Experts, and another one called Email Deliverability Unfiltered. So for both of these, um, the idea is we basically have five to 10 different email experts all answer one question each month. And they can say basically whatever is on their minds, right? There's no agenda from their company. They're really just speaking to us from experience and sharing their advice and, and their tips for how to improve their deliverability. You know, Alyssa is actually one of our regular contributors to the Deliverability Unfiltered blog. And I pretty much just, always love what she has to say. And I think that's the key is, you know, we, we recently just did a piece on, um, you know, what's the hardest issue to solve within, you know, deliverability and within email. We had nine people contribute and nine people gave different answers. And so I thought they were all interesting and they all shared kind of like their insight into their world. But, you know, it's really interesting to hear how challenging this whole, this whole thing is. So that's been really cool. And then I guess, you know, just to round it out outside of, of content creation, I've also been doing some deliverability consultations with our existing customers. So the goal here really is to provide value to our customers during a time of need when their their email programs might be completely flipped upside down. But at the same time, I've actually found these conversations to be super helpful in understanding the misconceptions around deliverability and, and email verification, the problems that most email senders are facing, and ultimately trying to help identify ways that Kickbox can help them solve those issues. So obviously that's very, very helpful when I'm, I'm helping build a deliverability monitoring platform that's designed to do pretty much just that. So it's, it's kind of in perfect timing.
0: That's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, and then for those kind of new email marketers that are just getting started, Lauren, can you tell us a little bit about what Kickbox's goal is to help people in this industry?
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think you know. I mean, um, you know, with with email verification, of course, you know, the goal is really just to kind of reduce hard bounces, clean up the, the you know the the collection practice practices that you have. Um, but with our new product suite, it really is you know us delving deeper into deliverability and really just you know I, I think with all with the, the current platforms that we have today and just you know the level of knowledge that email marketers have, you know, it's like people don't even know you know what what's a good open rate. Not even just within my industry, but like what's going to actually let me hit the inbox. What's What's a spam complaint rate that's too high, right? We know what's maybe been published by um, the ESP that says, you know, if you go above this limit, we're going to rate limit you. But what's mm-hmm. really going to get you to the inbox? So I think you know our goal is really just to kind of not to say demystify deliverability, but yeah, kind of right to take it outside of the you know that black box situation and really just help them understand you know, what should they be focusing on and and what things are maybe like a red flag um, that don't really impact their deliverability and are not worthy of them freaking out, dropping everything in their day and, you know, really just helping them focus in on what's important. So interesting. Um, I love hearing about how
1: your role at Kickbox has taken shape. Um, I know I said this to you a bit earlier, but I just haven't heard very much about a deliverability expert taking on like kind of a product and marketing focus. Obviously you have other focuses too, but I do feel like that's kind of um, where we're going as an industry, especially as more consumers learn about deliverability and understand how important it is. Product teams for anyone who does email sending is going to need a deliverability expert consulting them on, you know, what product should we build? How do we want to market this? What is it going to do? So that's Awesome. One question I have, I'm curious about, so you've said you do some consulting for customers of Kickbox. And I would imagine uh, for Kickbox, the customers are probably just all over the place when it comes to list size, um, specialty, you know, B2B versus B2C. Is that true? Or does it seem like there is like a common thread between the people you're consulting with?
2: I would say the common thread really is just they send email, which sounds pretty basic probably. But I think yet to your point, it's, you know, it's, it's all different industries. They're sending email on different things. There's different reasons for the emails they send. Maybe it's something that's, uh, you know, transactional or close to transactional, you know, related to like a a purchase on a website. Um, Maybe it's, you know, a a company who supports webinars, kind of like a Zoom, right? And so in those cases, um, they're sending a lot of like the follow-ups to say, hey, reminder about your webinar tomorrow and this and that. So lots of different industries, um, you know, some of these companies are sending, millions of messages a day. And even they say, you know, I honestly, I don't know, you know, if I ask them, you know, what are your pain points with email or or kind of what are your issues? They say, well, my issue is I don't really know what my deliverability looks like. I don't know what's good or bad. I'm on a small team of email people and I'm the one who's probably the closest to deliverability, but I have no idea kind of what I'm doing or I don't really have time to check that on not even to say a regular basis, but kind of not really very often at all. So I I think there's kind of a, a lot of You know, you you see those posts on LinkedIn where there's people that are like, hey, you know, I saw a marketing position that opened up and they want someone who's, you know, only like a specialist level. So it's almost an entry level position, but they need to have. Expertise in 15 different directions, and I, you know, I feel like deliverability tends to be that same thing. Where it's you're a technologist because you have to help set up the authentication and the technical pieces. You need to be a data analyst because you have to look into the stats and try to kind of make sense of all these little nuts and bolts and pieces. You have to be a you know a strategist because you're you're trying to send campaigns and, and work with your audience, and you have to be a copywriter to kind of get the the email out the door looking in a way that that looks good. And so, really, the challenges are. All over the place. It doesn't matter if you're a large volume sender or a small volume sender. People are, are just facing issues, and they're kind of like, "I just don't know what to do or what this means." So, really, yeah, to your point, I mean, I think it's you, it's really important to not to say have somebody on staff, but you you should at least have a deliverability expert in your community or in your in your you know your LinkedIn connections to really just have somebody that you can kind of you know, be a sounding board for when you have issues and just kind of work through them very quickly.
1: Definitely. And that speaks to why, you know, Kickbox's new features, the deliverability suite is just so important for senders because like you mentioned, I know Melissa and I have worked with so many customers who just don't know. They're like, how do I know my deliverability? What's good? What's bad? There's not a lot of insight with the just basic metrics that you get from sending email. So I'm really excited that there will be some more data points for people to use, yeah,
2: it's going to be great. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, we're really just honestly look, look, looking to to add context to to the mm-hmm. the data points that you have access to. So I think hope you know over time hopefully we should develop a product that really starts to not just give you the, the you know the basic um, features that you're looking for but also like a lot of that that insight behind it that says, you know, based on our years of experience, this is what you should do with that information. Here's how you should kind of process that information and here's maybe the next steps as well. So really excited. That's amazing.
0: I love that goal. Yeah, that's something Lisa and I have talked a lot about lately. So that's awesome.
1: So maybe we should have you on later for um, an overview of the deliverability suite and everything it can do and the insights it can give. But today, let's focus on list validation because you still have so many important things to say there. And I know... A lot of our listeners, um, you know, maybe they've heard of list validation, but they just don't know when to use it, what it can do for them, and what it can't do for them. So, could you give us an overview of what list validation even is and how it works?
2: Yeah, sure. I would love to. Um, so, I, I guess, you know, at a very high level, I would say email validation is basically a way to identify invalid and non-deliverable email addresses and verify legitimate addresses, right? So this gives marketers the ability to improve their delivery rates and their engagement with email. Um, Kickbox is an email verification company helping legitimate email senders protect their reputation and and increase open rates by separating those low quality email addresses maybe you know disposable addresses roll addresses ones that are undeliverable from high value contacts that that should really help you drive your your real your return on investment with email um, so part of that process, uh, of of email verification, or you know, oftentimes called validation as well, um, involves identifying invalid addresses in real time. So that's at the point of capture. Um, you figure most of, of these are probably invalid addresses. Um, they're typos, right? Somebody entering their their address incorrectly by mistake. So I don't know about you guys. I do this pretty much all the time. I mean, especially <laughs> you know the fact that I just moved over from from Mailjet um, to Kickbox. Um, I'm constantly kind of put starting to put in mailjet and then I'm like, oops, nope no nope, no, nope, not no nope, not, not not anymore. Right. So I don't even know if I filled out a form with with the wrong email address. So this um, idea really is just to say, you know, normally if you, you typo your address, that mistake is gonna lead to a hard bounce or, you know, potentially um, the address could be a typo spam trap. Both of those are negative impacts on deliverability, right? So um, the goal is is really to kind of kick those off of your list at that point of capture so that you can make sure you you, you capture a a valid address every time. Um, The other part of of a a verification service is geared towards marketers who have an existing list. Um, This can be helpful in scenarios such as a re-engagement campaign, or let's say maybe if um, your company has recently gone through a merger or acquisition and you have no idea how their email list was built or managed in the past. Um, those are, I guess, just a couple a couple of ways that we would maybe um, use that. But I guess if we want to talk about, you know, ways to improve your deliverability through this, um, you know, we already mentioned that that email verification can help reduce hard bounces, which is great for deliverability. Um, but you know, one thing that that I actually talked to, to Kate Barrett about from eFocus Marketing recently, when we did a webinar, was the fact that ninety five percent of customers will come to your website or your physical location only once and never return again, right? Okay, so maybe if you're Nike or Adidas or one of those kind of top brands, that doesn't really apply to you. But for kickbox, um, half the time I'm fighting that, wait, are you a kickboxing company? No, I'm an email verification company. (laughs) I'm a deliverability company, right? I have nothing to do with with exercise in any way, right? So for us, you know, instead of of missing out on those potential new customers who actually tried to give you their email address, um, our technology allows companies to check if that address is valid at that point of signup um, and if the address is invalid, or let's say, you know, if, if it's a disposable address and you don't want to accept those onto your list, it prompts those users to kind of try again or um, simply just doesn't let them hit submit until a valid email address has been given. Um, so it's, you know, it's not just avoiding those hard bounces, but it's also helping you build a cleaner email list um, and, and assuring that you're holding on to all of those new potential leads that, that showed some kind of interest in your business. So you're building a, a larger email list as well um, that could potentially lead to more revenue for your company. So I think that's that's one of the, the big benefits um, of, of this service. That's awesome. I do have a
1: couple questions. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> that was so helpful. I'm just curious, does Kickbox have like a recommendation when it comes to how old a list can be before it's like, you know what, you probably just shouldn't email that
2: list? Or is it sort of just up to the scenario and where it came from and all of that? Yeah, I think it really depends on what Information you know about how the list was built, and more importantly, probably when you last contacted the recipients on your address. You're on your mm-hmm. list, right? So, um, one type of of trap that I kind of touched upon was typo traps. And and if any of you guys have been listening to the deliverability defined podcast series, you guys already know all about spam traps from these lovely <laughs> ladies. Um, but but you know the, the other type of trap you need to be careful of is a recycled trap, right? So that's one where um, if you haven't sent to an address in a very, very long time, you kind of miss that window, right? So figure if if my address goes invalid today um, and somebody tries to send to it today or tomorrow or within the next 12 to 24 months or a very long time period, they're going to get a bounce back that says that address is invalid or it doesn't accept emails anymore, right? So Mm -hmm. in that case, the company should suppress my email address and stop trying to send to me because the address is no longer valid. If you kind of miss that window, so let's say if you haven't sent to somebody in more than 12 months or or the 24 months or several years, and then all of a sudden you want to kind of try to re-engage them, um, it's very likely that you miss that window when the bounce back message was being sent. And now that address is a recycled trap. And so, um, you know, I, I would say... At, for me, at, at the very least, I think you should be mailing every single person that you plan to mail to in the future every six months, so that you never kind of miss that that window of of when the address could potentially stop giving that bounce back message. So I think that's that's a really important one. But really, um, you know, think about yourself as a, as an email recipient for a second. Um, how often do you want to hear from a brand, right? Like if you're only hearing from someone every six months. That's really not going to form engagement. That's not going to build any kind of of loyalty with that brand. So I would say it really depends on your business to to focus on sending content at at a cadence that makes sense for uh, the appetite of your audience.
1: That's so helpful. Thank you. I know that's, you know, everybody loves a hard and fast rule of like, don't do this after this much time. But there is some nuance here. And I think you summed it up perfectly. And I'm definitely going to use that in the future.
2: Cool. Yeah, I mean, I, it kind of goes back to the, the same idea of, you know, when people are asking, um, well, is it legal for me to send to this address because I didn't get a proper opt-in or something, right? So within the US, we've got can spam. So you actually can, you can spam can to people spam. As, yeah. as long as you, you know, <laughs> honor that that unsubscribe request if they ask to be removed from the list, right? So um, in a lot of cases, people say, well, is it legal for me to send to that address? And what I say is, ISPs do not care about legality at all when they're deciding if your message goes to the inbox or not. So sure, right. you're not going to get sued, or you're not going to end up. Yeah, you're not going to get sued for sending to that address, but but is it going to go to the inbox? Probably not. So I think it's the same kind of case here, where that question is, um, you know, is is really intended to say how do I not have a, a list that's full of spam traps or how do i make sure that that i'm kind of like abiding by laws and by kind of the greater good awesome but but really that's not the way to hit the inbox or to engage properly with your subscribers
1: so helpful uh, another question that i have is so we talked about typo traps and how you know you and i and probably all of us have entered accidentally a typo email address and that's just normal when you're collecting emails like some people are going to have typos. Do you have like a line in your head where if there are a certain amount of typos or people entering typoed addresses, it actually starts to become a red flag that maybe the type of opt-in happening is kind of forced so an example i've used in a past episode is when you go to a coffee shop and you need to get on the wi-fi but they ask for your email address for you to get on their wi-fi and it's required like i'll be honest i always enter like no at no.com or something like that so do you uh is there a certain point where there are so many invalid addresses or typo traps where your typoed addresses i'm sorry where you're like okay something else is going on here
2: yeah, I, I think it really is important to look at all the data points that you have access to. So, you know, not just how many traps am I hitting today. I would say more so look at the trend of traps and see. Um, and so of course this this assumes that you have some way to, to measure those. And so for example, Kickbox right. has has a spam trap network um, that we can report on so we could give you, you know, the uh the top sender addresses and domains that are hitting traps as well as the subject lines. And so figure with that information you would be able to diagnose um, where the traps are coming from. So if it is coming from your welcome program or if it's coming from, from the sign-up process, um, that gives you a, a way forward to look at, um, you know, maybe do you need to add a CAPTCHA to that page? Do you need to add email verification to kind of kick out some of those disposable addresses? So it really is about kind of following um, the breadcrumbs of of what mm. issues you're seeing, but I would say it's more, you know, like look at and also look at, you know, are you being listed by people because of of hitting spam traps? Like, is this actually a problem for you? Are you seeing any indications of mail going to the spam folder or being blocked in any way? um because I think if, if you have a low level of traps, um that's not the end of the world, but it you know, it's one of those it's kind of like, okay, well, I, I kind of always have a little bit of a fever. Mm, And then one day that turns into the flu, right? And 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 sometimes it doesn't. So I think that's where you just need to follow the signals and say, okay, well, it's okay to have a small amount of traps. But if I start to see that that number goes up, or that it's coming from maybe different areas, like maybe you're okay with a small amount of traps entering through your welcome program, but if now they're coming from an existing. a file that, that's only being sent to, to active users in your newsletter list, like what's going on there? So I think it really is just about following the data and seeing, um, is this a new issue? Is this the same issue? Is this causing any problems or or not?
1: Awesome. So we've talked about what list validation can do for you and how it can help your deliverability and your database just have more um, valid data. So could you help us understand the things that list validation can't do? Because I know just because you run your list through a validation service doesn't mean all of your messages are going to go to the inbox. And as silly as it might sound to say that, um, I do feel like that's something people don't understand all the way.
2: Yes, I love this question. And um, <laughs> weirdly enough, I love talking about it because I do think that there are some very big misconceptions around email verification, what it can do, and what it can't do. Um, you know, I, I guess I would say the first one is that email verification cannot create permission where actual consent from the recipient hasn't been given, right? Just because a list has been validated and you know that the addresses exist and they're they're, you know, active, doesn't mean the subscribers want to receive your emails. So that's a permission copy. should should always come first always.
1: Amen. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's you know it's one of those I think we all live in that world of opt-in, but there are a lot of people out there who really think if you purchase a list and and the the seller kind of claims that the list has um been built through opt-in. Okay, well that's great. There is an opt-in, so again that is legal for you to send to that list. But if that if you're purchasing the list and there's no clear relationship between you and that's, that opt-in, right? So I think that's where there, there's a little bit of confusion between that legal aspect and, OK, does this company know who you are? Are they going to be expecting mail from you? Or are they going mm-hmm. to get spammed by you along with the other, I don't know, 500 people who purchased that list? like That's that's a big problem. So exactly definitely build your list through permission every single time. Let's see. So the second one, I, I guess um, another way, another thing list validation verification cannot do um, is it, it can't make up for a lack of engaging content um, a permission based validated list can still see poor results if the content of the emails isn't you know, if it, if it's not relevant, if it's not providing value to the subscribers, if there's no positive engagement or if there's a lot of negative engagement such as you know, user complaints and unsubscribes, um, it, it's clear that the content that you're delivering is is not landing correctly with the audience. So um list validation cannot at all help you with that one. And then, um, I would say, I guess third and and potentially, the one that provides the most confusion for people is that email (laughs) verification should never, ever, 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 ever uh, be seen as a way to remove spam traps from a poorly built list because Honestly, there is absolutely no way that we can know every single spam trap that's out there. And again, going back to um, the episode that that uh, Alyssa and Melissa spent on this, you guys probably already know that a spam we you know what a spam trap is. Um, you know that the whole point is that they're kept secret, right? ISPs and anti-spam agencies do not disclose them. Um, it's definitely possible to identify spam traps. I'm sure that um, that most people who are in the deliverability space have come across them at some point when they're doing investigations, but. By telling customers that you can remove every single spam trap from their list, including ones from ISPs and very credible sources like Spamhouse, it's simply not possible, right? There are billions and billions of of spam trap addresses out there, and and Kickbox and and any other provider that claims to be able to catch them all is pretty much lying to you. Really, what you're going to see instead of a clean list is a marketer who spends thousands of dollars on what they believe is now a perfectly clean list that's free from all the spam traps when in reality, they're they're really still gonna hit spam traps and when they hit send, right? So that risk to deliverability is still there. I I would say, um, you know, I had a, a customer I was working with that I think they removed, and this was maybe about a year and a half ago, they used one of the top verification providers. They removed probably at least 30,000 traps from their list. So, you know, very big list, lots of traps removed, several thousand dollars to to run that list through a verification provider. Um, They hit send and within an hour, they were relisted with Spam House. So it was definitely not effective. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's it's just really be careful. Make sure when you guys are doing email verification, um, be on the lookout for people that are going to tell you you can just suppress those, those traps because you're really just Removing your own visibility into the problem. So again, if you're using a you know a deliverability monitoring tool like Kickbox has, we can give you those breadcrumbs to trace it back and say this is coming from your welcome series, or it's coming from your sign up process, or it's coming from spoofed mail out of Russia. And so you can go you know focus on DMARC or something, right? So um, use the information to to plug up the holes, the reasons why the spam traps are coming onto your list. Don't just think that you can kind of remove those those traps because you're not removing the entire problem. You're just removing your your view of that problem.
0: I think that was like basically the general theme of what we've been saying for the last 10 episodes, honestly. Um, I couldn't have said that any better. I think that was fantastic.
2: Thanks, yeah, well, you guys are doing it well if, you're, if this is what you've been talking about, so great. You just wrapped it up in the prettiest bow ever, so thank yes. you.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I love talking to customers about this and helping them understand like, you know, Spam House is full of intelligent people. It's very credible. If we knew, if everyone knew all of their spam traps, like everyone would just not send to the spam traps. It wouldn't make any sense. They wouldn't be able to operate. So obviously for spam traps to work, they're going to be secret. And I know that a lot of us, people who work in deliverability have had those customers. And it's kind of sad where, You see that they send an email, and it performs really awfully, um, really terribly. And you reach out to them, and the first thing they say is, well, we just validated the list, and we just removed, you know, 50,000 people, so there shouldn't be a problem. And I'm like, I think you're a little confused about what, you know, list verification does. I'm sure it did some good things for you. But, again, you purchased the list, and, like, it's not going to fix that part of it. Totally agree.
2: Yeah, I do think you know it ha- email verification has a, a rightful place within the deliverability tech stack because it can help improve data quality. Um, it can help you kind of capture those leads that you may have missed on the way in the door. It can help you troubleshoot issues with list collection. It's great for a lot of those ways. It's just, it's not a silver bullet to the inbox because there is no such thing as a silver bullet to the inbox in any way, shape, or form. So it really oh. is about kind of following all of the signals that, that are important.
1: I can't wait to take that as a sound bite and put it all over our social media. So thank you. Uh,
0: That (laughs) That was was perfect. It really was perfect. I think, again, we've just been saying that, you know, I loved when you said follow the breadcrumbs because, you know, there's not any tool out there that's going to be able to give a customer everything they need to know to constantly hit the inbox every time. I think You know, as users, we really underestimate sometimes the um, the intelligence of, for example, Gmail's algorithms and what they're capable of doing, and also just subscriber activity in general and their habits.
2: Yeah, totally. And I think you know the the other thing that that um, that legitimate email senders completely either just don't know or forget very often is the fact that Gmail, Hotmail, all these other top providers are not just accepting mail about upcoming promotions and transactional mail and stuff like that. They are blocking. Millions, billions of messages every single day that are hardcore malware and fish and really gross stuff that you don't even want to know exist. And so, right. um, you know, it's not just you know Bob sitting over at Gmail and being like, "Oh, that's spam. Send so it the spam <laughs> folder." It's a, it's an algorithm. It's processing billions of messages every hour probably. And so, the, the, the goal is really, you know, y- if you look like a spammer, if you smell like a spammer, you're going to get treated like a spammer. So it's, it's not about you. It's not a, you know, a, a personal thing. It really is just stop behaving in a way that has been abused by spammers and, and try to really present yourself, show these ISPs that your, your your recipients are loving the mail that they have, right? Recipients, I mean, ISPs can't know that you opted in, but they can know that people love your mail because they can see signals of that through the the engagement that people have within their inbox. Yep,
1: exactly. I wish everyone could see Melissa and spaces because they're just smiling and nodding. And it just feels so good to have someone else preach and tell our listeners this really great information. One question we've had a while back was asking about careers in deliverability, which I do want to have a whole conversation about. Um, But I just think it's so interesting to talk about how in the world you landed in deliverability and email. So could you
2: give us some background on how that happened? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I think like a lot of people in our industry, I, I pretty much fell backwards into email. Um I wasn't specifically looking for a job in email or even in communications, even though my, my college degree was in communications. I was employed by a mutual funds company and was working towards getting my series seven license. The problem was that I would literally fall asleep in my study guides every single time. Right. So um, and my roommate was waking me up for dinner and I was like, "Ah, oh, not again. Um, so you know, clearly that that wasn't the field for me. So I basically just kind of went looking for jobs that seemed interesting and um, that were in line with my skill set at the time. Right. So I accepted uh, my first role as a QC specialist for an email company, I guess, about 14 years ago. And I've really kind of never looked back. I, I've kind of gone further and further into email. So I've you know, I've always been on the sender's side in some way. So either working for ESPs, um, consulting customers on how to resolve their deliverability issues, and also sending emails myself as a marketer in some of those roles. So, you know, at, at one point I was uh, the, the fifth person hired for a startup within an email company. So I think this was my second email job. And I, I love the work. I learned so, so, so much about deliverability. You know, our CEO was brilliant. But honestly, I realized that it was it was sort of time to move on when I was regularly working 16 hour days from home, and, you know, found mm-hmm. it totally normal to get instant messages from my coworkers at three o'clock in the morning because we were both still working on our campaigns. Ooh. So, um, yeah, I think this this is the point in my career when I learned that, the you know, that that value of a true work life balance of getting out of my house more than than once a week and, and things like that. Right. So just. Yeah, I think that was you know I, I learned so much and it was really important. But but you know yeah, that work-life balance is, is super important for people in our industry. There's a lot of burnout that happens. Um, so you know from there, I, I moved on to a, a corporate gig where um, I was working with one of those those big data companies, um, and I was supporting deliverability needs for Fortune 500 brands who were sending from our email platforms. Right, so we have a couple of different email platforms, um, and you know we're talking about the the top financial and retail brands in the world here. So I think from that position, I learned that even some of the most well-known brands in the world can can spam just as well as the rest of the people in the world. So mm-hmm. um, I, I kind of had to find a new approach to get these major brands on board for making some kind of improvement to their email programs when they really felt that their brand reputation alone should be enough to get them to the inbox, right? So it you was know, kind of like breaking down those barriers of like, I get it, you're the top retail brand in the US right now, but but you're going to the spam folder and you've just been listed by Spam House because you purchased a list, let's talk about how you need to improve because you need to improve. You're not going to get anywhere by just saying what your brand name is. Right. So, um, you know, I'd say all of that time was really kind of spent living in the trenches And it really primed me for my last role, which was as the the VP of delivery for Mailjet. So that's a French ESP where I basically spent the last four years of my career. And and this was, you know, I was managing all things related to deliverability and compliance and anti-abuse, facing new challenges that were related to, you know, non-compliant customers and account compromise and phishing issues, as well as, you know, working to improve the overall email health of our platform and kind of working on new features to make things better for people and uh, managing that shared pool reputation and dedicated IP customers. And it was, you know, a lot of lot. Of things to focus on, so you know, and and then now, of course, I'm working for Kickbox, and we've created this brand new product that's similar to 250 OK and Return Path, and the goal really is to provide email senders with that, you know, alternative that they can trust for deliverability monitoring. So I think it's, you know, over the years, it's kind of like every job that I had, even if I felt like I was not being seen at two o'clock or three o'clock in the morning, and it was you know kind of building to nothing and wasted time. It all amounted to having a really, really solid understanding of. How you hit the inbox. Um, the fact that it doesn't matter if you're a big brand or a little brand. You know, if you're a spammer, if you're spamming, then you're going to go to the spam folder. And just kind of really how to how to talk to people, how to kind of break down some of these, um, you know, deliverability, you know, uh, concepts that are a little bit more challenging, and, and kind of give people analogies or break it down in, in ways that they can understand and say, look, I'm not saying you have to implement every best practice under the sun. But if you can implement these ones based on the fact that we see data that, that suggests this is a problem for you, right? So I think it, it really was just kind of all of these jobs coming together, and then of course, you know, building this this deliverability monitoring platform. It's been so awesome because. I have been a user of deliverability monitoring platforms for the past several, several years. And so it's kind of like, I know what I would want to see. I also know what challenges my customers from MailJet and other past jobs are facing in terms of their level of understanding of email. Um, so I'm hoping that we can kind of bring all of, all of my experiences as well as the rest of the company together to really kind of make this thing awesome. But yeah, it's, it's just been so interesting to, to kind of um, be in the email space. You know, we go to these conferences um, like MOG and the Email Experience Council and, and a million other ones. Um, and it's just, it's so... So fun to kind of see the same people over and over again, and be able to kind of nerd out over over email and deliverability. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I honestly, I kind of see see the industry more as, as like a, a group of family members and close friends as opposed to just colleagues. So it's really cool.
0: That's awesome. What a yeah. It was like uh, so. One thing I was kind of thinking about while you were talking about sort of your previous experience over the years. Um, and I don't know if there's like an easy answer to this, but what do you think just over the last, I think you said you've been in this industry about 14 years in that time, what is the number one thing that's changed the most in email over that amount of time?
2: I think we've had some new technologies come to light recently. So, you know, like there's AMP for email and BIMI being worked on and all these kind of things. Um, and, you know, I think that, and there's, there's been other kind of flashy um, technologies over the years, and so I think that's one new thing is just the fact that you know email is not just kind of this boring thing, um, but you know like you need to focus on the basics and then kill it with AMP on top of that. So I think that's where sometimes marketers sort of get get stuck chasing these these fancy new toys, and they're not mm-hmm. kind of focusing on on their their foundation. So I think that's one aspect. Um, the other big one is you know I entered in 2005, 2006, and this was kind of back in the heyday for affiliate marketing, where you know you could get, make so much money getting paid per click or per acquisition, um, and there really wasn't a lot of quality in there. It was really just send as much volume as you can. Um, there really was a thing back then called whitelisting, where you could kind of just get your IP on a whitelist somewhere, and you could just spam away for days and whoever knows how long. Um, that no longer exists. I mean, there is still the idea of whitelisting, but I think in the sense of, of saying, hey, yep, that IP has been tagged as good and it's good forever until somebody changes the status. That is no longer the case because we have more sophisticated filters on the ISP side, right? Gmail is looking at 200, you know, hundreds of sig- of, of different signals. Um, so, you know, even if your IP was somehow whitelisted with Gmail, um, that would just be kind of one of those signals. So I think that's the big thing. It's just, it's, there's no longer kind of that that golden pass to the inbox like there maybe was at the very, very beginning. Um, it really is more about, doing right by email following the engagement of your users and and you know presenting yourself as a responsible email citizen i guess i could say
0: yeah
1: absolutely yeah i feel like right when i joined the email world that was just like on the outs and i would get a random ticket every now and then from a customer and they'd be like hey we want to get whitelisted at you know AOL or whatever and i'd be like that's sorry <laughs> they don't do that anymore <laughs> but i can help you you know <laughs> um one thing you mentioned burnout i always try to explain to my like family or friends why I might be, you know, feeling stressed on a weekend or night and hearing you talk made me realize like email never sleeps. And I think as a deliverability person, that's a little scary. Like when I'm, you know, having dinner with my family or whatever, there are customers sending emails and they might, you know, have some sort of issue. And I do think that makes it hard for people in this industry because, you have to turn it off and just wait to come to it in the morning and be okay with the fact that, you know, there's emails going out right now that you are kind of responsible for. Totally agree.
2: Yeah. And that's, you know, it gets challenging. You guys are working for for an ESP. And so you have customers all over the world, right? And, and the same when I was working at Mailjet, um, I was based in New York City. Most of my company and, and team and most of our customer base in the initial days um, were in Europe. So it was like, you know, I'm getting woken up. Or, or not missing a message because I'm sleeping that's um, like our customers listed by a spam house or they're listed by this or they're oh. having an issue. Ah, freak out. Um, so I actually had to kind of help build a team um, within our European side of, of the business just so that I could actually sleep a little bit better at night, right? And kind of have somebody yeah. that I could trust to to handle those issues when I wasn't on the clock. So it really is important to kind of rely on the people in your company and your team. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tough job. You really do have to turn it off.
1: Yeah. But another aspect you mentioned of, you know, being on the ESP side and working with like seeing the spam and seeing the fish that is attempting to leave your platform, I do think it helps the deliverability side too. It just helps inform so much like what Gmail and these ISPs are seeing, um, all of, you know, the bad mail that's coming through and how to help our good senders not look like the bad senders. Um, I just think it helps give a much fuller picture of exactly what's happening in email. So we talked about how Kickbox sees just such a wide range of senders, which is awesome. And I'm sure we have a wide range of senders who listen to this podcast. Um, But Melissa and I both work at ConvertKit and we specifically cater towards creators and entrepreneurs. And oftentimes our customers do it all on their own. So they don't have an email marketing team, They are a one person operation and they're not just sending their emails, but they are doing their social media. They're doing they're creating their content. They're totally running their business. So I know you have experience all over the place. If you could give one piece of advice to those senders who are doing it all on their own, what would you tell them?
2: Yeah, and it's a great question. You know, I, I would say probably the most important thing for email senders of any size um, would be to approach deliverability and really email as a whole from a more personal perspective, right? Um, to create user journeys that they themselves might actually want to sign up for, to send emails that their recipients actually want to read, and are showing you that through their actions. Um, you know, I would never expect creators or, or entrepreneurs or anyone like that to be an email expert or a data analyst. But ideally, everyone who's sending emails to recipients in any way, shape, or form should have at least a high-level view of their engagement data to basically understand their audience, right, and to uh, find ways to stand out in the inbox, right? It's, you know, really, I'm not saying check every single day, but at least maybe once a month even, um, just go in and take a look at your aggregate data, right? See what your delivery rates look like. See what your open rate is trending over time, right? Is it, is it going up? Is it going down? But also look at your negative engagement metrics, not just the open and click rates. Um, Those are kind of like the positive engagement, but really look also at, you know, maybe you had a great open rate on one campaign, but your spam complaint rate was double or triple what it usually is. So maybe that's something that um, it was great for certain people, but it really kind of angered other people. So really, I would just say, you know, kind of look at your metrics, um, you know, because much like, you know, deliverability, I would say the key to deliverability um, just like the key to making money in any business is customer engagement in some way. So if users are loving the mail that you send, then hitting the inbox is not going to be a problem for you and the revenue is going to follow right along. But if you're engaging in bad practices, trying to kind of cut corners, um, that's where you're going to end up spending a whole lot of time um, cleaning up messes and focusing on things that that could have been avoided. So really just do right by email to begin with, focus on that that personal experience that you can give to your customers and then use that to guide your decisions.
1: Amazing. Mic drop. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. This was really helpful. So insightful. I know Melissa and I are just like over the moon, excited. Do you want to tell us where people can find you if they want to go follow
2: you, uh, learn more about Kickbox? Sure. Yeah. So, um, of course, if you want to learn about Kickbox, you can just go to kickbox.com and you can find all the information you need on email verification and our, our new product that we've just released very recently. Um, if you want to connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm just, you know, Lauren Meyer. Look for me under Kickbox. I'm also on Twitter. I- I'm kind of new to Twitter. I've only been using it, I, I would say, a couple months. But uh, but yeah, I like to have a little fun on Twitter, too. So find me either place. <laughs> Amazing.
0: Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much. It was so great talking with you. You, too. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover,
1: let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability.
0: We'll see you next week.